All right. Hey guys, and welcome to Not Another Fitness Podcast, a space dedicated to getting to know the person behind the whiteboard, or in this case, behind the camera. I have a very special guest on the show today, Hebert Cannon. Um, very, <laughs> produce a bunch of uh, CrossFit content. Sorry, guys, blanked out there for a second. Um, heavily involved in CrossFit for a bunch of years. Um, has produced The Fittest on Earth, Decade of Fitness, Froning, Redeemed and Dominant, the fittest, um, proven 2020 coming 2021. And I guess where you guys really, really took off, or at least where I got to, um, know you better, you and, and, and Mars was when you guys started your uh, YouTube channel, the buttery bros. So, um, without further ado, Hebert Cannon on the show. How's it going, dude? How you doing? Great, man. How you doing? Doing, doing well, as I was telling you, um, been in SoCal for a year now. So enjoying the 365 uh, summer weather that we get here because it was like 84 degrees last week and it's January. How are you yep. doing? Great, man. We just uh, got home from Aruba last night and Sweet. and in Salt Lake City, Utah, just waiting for some snow so I can go ski. <laughs> uh, th- thank, thank you for thank you for taking uh, time to meet with me. I know I knew you guys were on vacation. Uh, where is Aruba? I, I is that a, is that like in uh, South America? Uh, basically, like the. I want to say the it's really close to Costa Rica. So yeah, it's right off the, the South American continent, um, an island in the Caribbean area. Sweet. How long were you guys there for? We were there for about a week. Oh, damn. How are, how are travel restrictions in Aruba? Is it pretty strict or is it? Uh, uh, they make you get tested on the way there. They also have a okay. test that's like, if you take the test, like if you don't get tested, um, if you don't get tested when you land, they have a test that they give you that's okay. cheaper than the test that you take here in America, and you have to wait 24 hours max till you get your results back. Okay. Um, so it's not that bad. The uh, We tried to go to Hawaii before that, and their restrictions are really tough and confusing, okay. and, and uh, to the point where it was silly for us to go to Hawaii. So we canceled that and went to Aruba instead. Okay. Well, I think you should come down to SoCal. There's, like, no restrictions here, dude. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> Not at this time. I live in Southern California. I lived there for a while. With the restrictions they have, I have no interest. What uh, what part of SoCal did you live in? I lived in Huntington Beach for a while. Oh, you were like forty minutes away from me. I'm I'm in the San Fernando Valley, so oh cool, pretty close there. Yeah. What what did you do there? I worked uh, as part of my family business. My family had a compost company growing up, and after high school, I went down there to work on a giant semi truck that shot crap out of the back of it through a hose, like an air compressed hose onto all kinds of real estate. Locations. So, that sounds like an episode of dirty jobs. Did you ever watch that was, show? It was a crappy job. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's awesome. See that that's something that I, I didn't know. And like, I was talking to you briefly before we went on, on air, I guess, technically we started recording. Um, I, I I knew of you because I, I knew you you directed and you were involved in all these films and all these CrossFit films, which are essentially uh, documentaries of of different seasons of the games. But I didn't know who you were as a person. And then once you guys launched the Buddy Bros on YouTube, um, that's that's when I, I I got to know more more of you and, and like your personality personality and who you are. And then Mars as well. But um, I was always curious as to how you got started in in this field because like I told you. I, th- I think you guys brought a very fresh twist in terms of like sports documentaries or, or the sports content, which you guys provide um, 
very constantly um so so yeah so i'm just like like i said just tell us a little bit about your story how you got started did you play any sports or and then and then ultimately again like how did you get involved in this whole like working for crossfit and, and producing their documentaries and you know etc cetera, etc cetera. okay there's kind of a lot to unbox there but yes. uh yeah i played sports growing up i've always had a fascination with fitness um i want to say like my senior year of high school i was my routine would be I would go to school, leave school, go to track or cross country or swim team, and then go to the to a local boxing gym where I'd box for a while. And then I'd come home and lift weights, and then I would do my homework and go to bed and wake up and do it again. <laughs> um, so the like my it didn't really dawn on me that I didn't really love the competition aspect of it. I just liked the working out aspect of it. Um, competition was just the cherry on top. So like I enjoyed the whole process. Um, but I enjoyed lifting weights as much as I enjoyed, enjoyed shooting hoops or dribbling yeah. basketballs or um, tossing a rugby ball. You know, I, I played a, a lot of sports in, in high school. Um, started filmmaking when I was really young, back when I was like six. Um, my brother was a filmmaker. He was a lot older than me and would cast me in his movies as a, okay. like a younger, cooler kid. Or like he went, he made a Back to the Future ripoff where him and his high school buddies that were seniors went back to the future to see how they got so cool. And uh, I was, I was the younger version of him. Okay. So like that was sort of my first interactions with cameras. And then I recreated that movie aliens when I was like in the second grade and made skate <laughs> movies all through elementary school and junior okay. high. Um, and then in high school, I really got into like actual films and the goal was always to go to Hollywood and make movies, never to, be documentary stuff. I've, yeah. I never really watched documentaries. I thought they were boring. Um, still kind of do. Uh, then <laughs> then uh, in college, I was, um, I ran into a buddy who had lost a lot of weight and I was like, dude, how'd you do this? And he showed me this, this picture of a gym that he'd been going to called CrossFit 801, which was a local gym. That's not too far from where I'm living now. Okay. And I was like, dude, that looks like how the guys from the movie 300 trained. Yeah, I want to go. So the next day I went to this gym. Um, I was demoralized. I did wall balls and box jumps and I didn't know how to squat. And I was like, this is kind of like super cool. It looks like Rocky force training. I want to, I want to be a part of this. And so I couldn't afford it at that time. Um, I, I would go onto that gym's website and go to the U university of Utah's gym and try and yeah. do the workouts on my own. And I would go to cross its website and, see the how-to videos on how to do a push press and what's the difference between a strict press push press and a push jerk and taught myself all the movements for a few months until finally i started paying for my crossfit gym by making videos for the gyms in the area so i would i would go to my affiliate make two or three videos a month and they'd give me a free membership okay. um, my videos eventually got to crossfit who then was super excited about what i've been doing and hired me basically within an hour of talking to me to start doing contract work with them. Okay. And I did one or two jobs for them in the month of 2000, I want to say November of 2009. And by December of 2009, they had contracted me out for like every other weekend for all of 2010. And so all of 2010, I was traveling, working for CrossFit until finally they moved me down. To, they didn't move me. I moved myself down to Santa Cruz. <laughs> okay. Uh, Cause, <laughs> uh, and I worked at where I became a full-time employee of CrossFit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you grew up in Utah, right? That, that's yep. what you said. And then you ended up moving to Santa Cruz for, for CrossFit. You, you made the choice to move for, for CrossFit. And, um, 
you were there for a long time, right? Was it was it like roughly ten years? A little more, more or less? Just a little under ten years. So I, okay. I started working for them in November of two thousand nine and was let go by them in October of two thousand eighteen. Okay, so, so th- that October was like with where everything just went kind of crazy, right? They they eliminated uh, what is it uh, regionals and and like everything got a twist, right? How how yeah, did exactly. everybody, how did everybody handle that at at headquarters? I mean, it depends on who you talk to. I, th- okay. I think CrossFit, when I was there for the, the nine years that I was there, it was a really awesome community. It was really fun. We were a close-knit family um, that started when I first moved down there. Um, it was like me and my wife shared a desk. There was like five people in this office to, to when we left. It was like at its peak, there was like 90 people in that office. And it grew from like a little room to we took over an entire office building, essentially. Um, and so there were like, that whole spirit of it was definitely stripped away even before I was let go. Cause I was like going October, August is when the real big changes happened yeah. and they announced the new direction of the company. And I saw like, Oh, I have no place in this new direction. Like I'm clearly the guy that they're trying to get rid of. They just didn't do it because yeah. some people there saw me as extremely valuable and the CEO didn't see what I was doing for work as valuable. And so I, I, was very political about it. I was like, look, this doesn't seem like, it seems like I don't have a future here. How can I continue to make movies in this CrossFit space? Can I finish this 2018 movie that I'm working on? Um, And we went from making negotiations to that, me being let go to instead of working on a 2018 movie, we started negotiating for making a 2019 movie. Okay. Yeah, because was that the year you guys skipped? I remember I was like patiently waiting for that documentary to be released. And I was like, dude, what the heck? (laughs) Like it was never released. (laughs) Yeah, 2018 was never, it's never been made. We've, um, I think the appropriate time to make it would be, I, I, we need to finish the one we're working on right now and yeah. to start talking about what it would look like to finish the 2018. But I think it's very reasonable to, to think that we'll have a 2018 movie someday. Oh, what, what would you guys call it? Like back, back to the fitness? The missing year, I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's, dude, that's actually really good. That's, that's really uh, smart. So, what was the first film you worked on? Was it was it the Froning film that you worked on by yourself for the first time? How, how did you? Like, yeah. So yeah. No, sorry. So my job there from like that's okay. We kind of skipped over what how we got yeah. to the movie. So my job when I was initially hired there, I I took the full time job and moved down there, moved myself down there because I I didn't want to miss this wave that I saw was building. I was like, I want to ride this. Yeah. Um, it's a, it felt like a really sure thing. And if I went to Hollywood to do what I wanted to do, I feel like that's not as secure. Um, and I, I saw the value that I could bring to this company. Um, so I went down there, my job was producing live television shows, starting what they have as like an update news show. Um, and those things that I did from 2011 to 2013 didn't really fulfill my creative urges. Like it just wasn't something I was excited about working on. And so about 2012, I was, I made it very clear that I had no interest in doing this type of work. And if they were going to continue to have me do that, I was going to be unhappy. And, and eventually it would be uh, me leaving to go do something else somewhere else. Um, and I, I also was very clear that I think that they had a need for the type of work. Like if they just gave me creative freedom, I could, they will they will rejoice. They will enjoy the work that I create yeah. in in the time. To, like I'll prove the value there. Yeah. Um, they, to their credit, gave me all the creative freedom I could ever want. Um, in 2013, we made a short film as a documentary because <clears throat> we played with the idea of a documentary in 11 and 12. 
13, we came up with an idea for like a, a basically like a thesis defending why the person that wins the CrossFit Games is called the fittest on earth. Okay. And that's called the test of fitness that's on YouTube. Um, and then after that, it became, let's do a documentary about the 2014. Let's make it a feature length. And I said, okay, if we want to do feature length, it's got to go on iTunes. It can't go on YouTube. Um, and they didn't understand that. They were like, if it goes on iTunes, we're at, like, if people have to buy it, isn't that going to limit our reach with the movie? And I said, no, I think it'll bring new exposure and new eyeballs to the sport. It's going to work ultimately as a, as a campaign for us. And you're going to make money as a business after that too. Like, but to me, I don't care about the money. I just want yeah. my art to be respected on the level of other filmmakers. And so that was kind of the struggle making the 2014 Froning Fittest Men on in history okay. was explaining to CrossFit and my, the seniors that I was, that were above me there, why it would be valuable to do this route because it hadn't been done since 2008. And I don't think 2008 was very successful uh, for the company at that time. So when I made Froning, when I finished, I like basically just figured out how to s- submit this film to be on iTunes <laughs> myself and i basically shot i had hired hands so there's lots of people in the credits that hired that were hired to come film for a day or a couple of days or fly some drones for me um but essentially i shot the majority of that movie i was there behind the camera for about 95 percent of it except for competition footage um and then i i was there for a hundred percent of it but there were other yeah. people that were next to me shooting some of the stuff okay. so i basically shot and edited every single minute of that film okay. um Flash forward to 2015, after they saw the value of Froning, that didn't really hit the market. That hit the market in October of 2015. And so we had just finished the games three months earlier, and we were making that movie for YouTube. Like We were like, okay, okay we'll make this much easier. We're going to make this for CrossFitters, by CrossFitters. It's just going to go on YouTube um, because CrossFit hadn't really seen the excitement of what can happen if you put this on iTunes. Yeah. The day after Froning hit iTunes, they came to us and they're like, well, we got to put this 2015 movie on. I, like, It's got to go the same direction now. Like, yeah. <laughs> We get it. Yeah. Um, so that made huge changes to the, the post-production of what that movie looked like. Um, and then from that on, it was really easy to convince them every year. But uh, that ultimately led CrossFit in the direction that Greg Glassman didn't want it to go in a, in a, at a speed that they weren't prepared to handle. Okay. So that's why in 2018 they made these massive changes because okay. the movies and like I was told specifically that the movies were so wildly successful and moved the company in a direction that the CEO wasn't prepared for that they were they were willing to make huge changes to to course correct essentially. Okay. Okay. So did you did you did you film the road road to the games as well? Yeah, so in 2015 okay. after we finished that movie, yeah. we uh <laughs> we were like we've got all this awesome footage that we shot from like March all the way up to the games. And we used like three minutes of that in yeah. the movie. Okay. So uh, what can we do to utilize this three months worth of work? And so in 2016, we started releasing road to the games episodes and those were just really cool day in the life episodes of athletes and ways for us to collect athlete profiles along the season. Okay. How did the athletes react to that? Because you got, you guys follow them like, for, for a long time, <laughs> like, especially on those like road to the games, you guys are there like 24 seven. So how did, how did they react to that? Were, were they okay with it or? Yeah, they were fine. Okay. They, they were excited for the camera time and exposure and, and um, 
you're there all all day, but essentially it's it's you plan it out and and set up things so that it's more interesting than what a typical day to day looks like in a way. Yeah, I, I get it. Um, so the Buddy Bros on YouTube, highly successful. You guys, I mean, you guys put out some some very like funny content, and then there's actually like like real like real cool content where you can learn stuff, where you get to meet people and all that stuff. But um, I think what I want to talk about more is, is that connection that you and Mars have. Uh, were you guys always good friends or, or how did that friendship start and, and how did it develop into the buttery bros? Ooh, so we, uh, we're both Utah dudes. Okay. I met him, um, in February of 2010 when I was filming one of the, they used to call. So to qualify for the games, you went right now they have the open and then you go to a regional level format or a sanctional level format. And then you go to the CrossFit games. Back then, they didn't have the open. They had sectionals, which were localized competitions that took place in like one or so like there was hundreds of them. I don't know how many sectionals or sectionals there were, but they're all yeah. over the place. So I went to one here locally in Utah that his girlfriend was competing at and he showed up and he was like, hey, man, I want to film. Can I have access to the floor? And somehow I'm the representative from CrossFit that can dictate that answer. <laughs> and so I said, yeah, sure, buddy. Like you can come film your girlfriend, but you've got to give me the footage. So it looks like you're working with me. Uh -huh. So that's how I can justify it to the people here running the event. He's like, okay, cool. So he gave me his footage, uh, was super friendly. We got along really well that day and I introduced him to CrossFit. Um, and he got some work through CrossFit that way as well. So later we started working together on different gigs for CrossFit at different regionals or whatever. Okay. Um, and we got along really well and we, we had a good rapport when I moved down to CrossFit in 20. Uh, at the end of 2010, early 2011, I would bring Marsden in for bigger projects to help me edit them um, and to help produce things. Eventually, when we were working on the ESPN post-produced shows in 2011, I got Marsden moved down to, Cal to California. Um, and we worked really closely for 2011 all the way to 2018 when we were let go. We were really good friends. We always got along and, and respected each other's creative talents and where we, we are different. We help each other stronger and where we're different. We make each other stronger. We have, we have really, um, complementary strengths. And so when we were let go together in 2018, we had just finished a, it was crazy because we had just gone around the world filming interviews and filming workouts with athletes quite literally in Iceland. Um, Switzerland, I want to say, I can't remember. Um, we went to like seven or eight tr countries and, yeah. and cities. Uh, and a week later we got home, we were let go. And so we were both in the same boat at the same time looking at like, okay, how can we turnkey this? How can we create something cool? And uh, our initial goal was to create, what do we need to do to create a 2019 documentary or finish the 2018? Um, the 2018, we were told by CrossFit, they wouldn't give us the footage because it focused too much on what the past was. They've made all these changes. They want people to focus on the future. Okay. And so we said, okay, we'll give us the 2019 documentary. And they said, okay, we, we can give it to you, but we're, uh, it's not exclusive to you. Um, and we worked out some sort of contract with them. And that was the goal was to get to the CrossFit games and make that. We sort of, set out to make that documentary and I wanted to document the behind the scenes for my own purposes um, and justify some of these expenses. And I didn't know to what extent that would be successful, but that's where the buttery bros started was we, we went to one or two events and documented our perspective of the filmmaking process 
um, and put up some of those episodes and they did extremely well on YouTube and kind of the rest is history there. How did you, how did you guys come up with the name? We had this term we always use when we were filming at CrossFit, uh -huh. which was whenever we, someone would nail like a really smooth, well-composed shot, you'd come <laughs> over and be like, oh my gosh, that's buttery. And, <laughs> and uh, we said, you know, we, we want to shoot all butter all the time. And so the, the official name of our business is All Butter LLC. And the <laughs> name of our official YouTube channel is The Buttery Bros. <laughs> Yeah, I always wondered. I was like, I wonder where the heck they came up with, with that name. <laughs> um, in, in terms of the 2019 games, they, they were so different because we had uh, so many people from around the world. How how was it to be there? Because I think those uh, stand out versus every other like every other uh, games before that. Like obviously, we've always had people from from around the world participate, but that year was stacked, right? Because I think it was like. 150 men and like 140 women in, in the first um, event. Was it, was it different or? Yeah, very different. It was historically you have 40 men, 40 women max. Hmm. Um, actually that's not true. 2009, there was hundreds. Uh, well, specifically in the team division, 2008, anyone could sign up. Okay. So, uh, but recent in recent history, yes, it's a very, sm it's a much smaller field. Um, there are people from other countries, but it's not, it was it was a much more dramatic uh, shift in focus and the amount of different people from different backgrounds on the field that year. It was really cool, but it was very much you could immediately tell who was there as a fan competing and who was there actually to try and win the CrossFit Games. Okay. So, you know, like a, someone from a foreign country that was you know two thousandth on the leaderboard in the Open, yeah, was very much there to to have the athlete experience and it was really cool for them but their focus wasn't what do i need to do to win the crossfit games their focus is oh my gosh there's catherine davis donner and then once the competition starts their focus then goes to what do i need to do to survive this to maybe make it last just a little bit longer <laughs> because very much so my games experience could end after one of that yeah, um, I was I was watching the uh, the fittest documentary a couple of days ago, and like uh, Ben Bergeron actually said that he's like, you know, like sometimes maybe for these athletes, it's not so much um, I'm here to compete, I'm here to train essentially with with Katrin or with Matt or with you know get get this opportunity to be on the same field that that I normally wouldn't um, that that I wouldn't get. And then to that point, Dave Castro was like, well, some of these people could have finished the the, the workout, but not in that. Uh, amount of time, like maybe had they had a longer time, like they could have finished it because some people were just getting wrecked by that first workout, dude. I was like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> with yeah. All these it's a heavyweight. It was it's heavyweight. And you're, you're on a, on a grass field, which is unusual to snatch on. So if you, if you struggle with that and then you're putting over a, a really heavy weight overhead too, it's, it's a, a crippling combination. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, I don't think I've ever snatched on grass, but I, I just don't want to picture it. <laughs> yeah. um, it with, with this whole new uh, change in CrossFit with uh, Eric Rosa coming in, um, are you guys going to participate? Like, are you guys going to be more involved in terms of the content or are, are you guys still kind of like exclusive, but then like kind of working together with them? We've partnered with them on this 2020 documentary. Okay. Uh, they are, yeah, we are partners on that project. Um, I think they want to see how that plays out before they we commit to anything longer. We love CrossFit. We'd love to support CrossFit um, uh, as long as they continue to make changes that are yeah. necessary, that are 
necessary for the community. Yeah. Um, we feel like those are happening and we're excited about the future and potential of the sport. Okay. Um, but I'm very much not letting go of the buttery roast to go work full time for CrossFit. That's, that's not in the cards. Um, well, so like you speak of changes, what, what kind of changes do you want to see for the community? Oh, I, I think there's a lot that's happening. I think, um, the athletes historically haven't had a whole lot of say and, and involvement in CrossFit and the sport. And now they have that new athlete community board. Um, there's cultural things that CrossFit's doing. Like they have that youth program where they now allow kids in rough neighborhoods to be able to go and take the L1 course for free, which is really cool. Awesome. Um, and uh, uh, just kind of fixing all the problems that came up last summer. Yeah. Yeah. Last summer was uh last summer was wild, dude. <laughs> it was like the wild, yeah. wild west for CrossFit. I was like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> Um, so you've taken the L1, I assume. Um, I've, yeah. I've never, I've never taken it. How, like, what's the experience like? Do you, what, what do you feel like are like the main takeaways from, from that certification? It was cool. Um, it's not a certification. It's a certificate oh. of attendance. So they make sure to clarify that. Okay. Uh, but that's semantics. You go, you take a course and you pass a test. Um, it's a really cool experience. You learn a lot. It was a great refresher course for me, especially making this new documentary that's kind of reflective on the past of history, the past history of CrossFit. Um, it was interesting to me to see some of the things that they teach in that that I that I didn't realize were so ingrained in the community, such as sport. Like, there's a lot about the sport of fitness that's yeah. basically like their whole definition of fitness and who's the most fit. Um, is reflected in the CrossFit Games and finding the, and finding and crowning the fittest man in history. So it's interesting to me that the former CEO like came up with all that dialect and then and then basically just removed the importance of it towards the end of his time there. Um, but that's his prerogative. It's his company. He can do what he wants. Uh, so yeah, the L1 though is it's really cool. It's a community aspect. The trainers uh, are top notch. Um, it's a like even when I was working for CrossFit, I've always had a huge appreciation and respect for the dedication that those L1 trainers go out and give. Like every one of the people that were at my level one seminar that I took in November were, were excellent speakers. It wasn't just a boring lecture. Like every lecture was engaging, fun, interesting, and, and full of information that um, if you're interested in fitness, is something that someone should take. It was, it was great. Yeah. And like I, I asked you that because – Personally, like I, I, I don't, I've never done CrossFit. Well, actually, you know, I, I'm lying. What was that burpee and thruster? Was that 18.5 or 18.6? Um, well, there was only five workouts that year, so if it's think, from 2018, it would have been a, it would have been. Yeah, it was that thruster. 2018 was a thruster pull-up combination. Okay, then 16.5 maybe, where it was thrust. It was a countdown of thrusters and yeah, and burpees thrusters over the burpees, bar. 27, 21. 15963 yes yeah, some something disgusting like that that's the only training session i've ever done and i was like or like crossfit related training session and i was like dude i'm going to die like i was it that's was, a rough workout to jump into that's your first crossfit workout for sure <laughs> it, it, it just it, it wasn't fun and ever since like i've always been intrigued so um i i have tried to get in contact with certain coaches i haven't been so lucky but um i i do want to learn some of like their whole thought process simply because I, I was watching one of Matt's videos the other day and, and he was explaining how CrossFit used to be more so like 
okay, like let's go uh, balls to the wall and just like kill ourselves every day. But now there's actually like really good coaches and a lot of signs going into the, the whole training methodology or, or prepping for the games or prepping for a season. So I'm always just interested in, in learning how coaches are attacking that just because you have to be fit in so many different areas. And sometimes like physiologically, it doesn't make sense what these, and like, I don't mean this in a mean way, like these essentially freaks are, are doing on the field and expressing. So, um, that's, so there's two, there's two different things there. You've got CrossFit games coaches who are yeah. coaching very differently than a CrossFit gym coach. Yeah. So if you're coaching the general population, you're coaching on a much different uh, time trajectory than you are with the CrossFit games, CrossFit yeah. games, you're, you're training for very specific windows of time. And so what Matt's talking about there is, um, coaching has evolved, uh, and specifically he's done a incredibly intelligent job of, of handling his programming and working with coaches that he, with whom he's collaborated yeah. to figure out how to peak for the best window of time and be in the best shape for that specific window where um, if I'm like me personally, I don't follow any specific waves other than yeah. strength waves because I'm not worried about being the fittest for the CrossFit games open. Cause when it comes down to it, I don't, that's not my goal. Yeah. Um, my goal is longevity and lifestyle. And so I don't need to peak in, in any particular moment. I mean, plus you're always beating Mars, so you don't really need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, <laughs> no, I know, I know he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's pretty strong. He's, he's a fit dude. I, I don't know him, but, uh, Mars, if you're listening to this dude, um, I'm not t talking smack kind of just a little <laughs> bit, actually. Um, no, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Like, like, I, I like to listen to Matt talk because I do feel like he's like, he's innovating in the sport, but. That also has a lot to do with Shane. Um, so yeah, so like I would love for one day to be able to to pick his his brain and uh, to find out if he has a if he's like has a six pack because isn't that a thing that you guys always mention? Like he never takes his shirt off, Shane. Shane oh, dude, Shane. Yeah. Shane's got a that guy's got to be shredded. Like he's hiding something down there. I know it. He's he's shripped, dude. My, my brother said that's like the combination of shredded and ripped. I, I bet yeah. Shane is shripped. Yeah. Um, cut up like a julian salad for sure <laughs> um so I, I posted a question thing on my instagram and uh, people submitted questions uh okay. so i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you the questions that people wanted to know uh so this first one this first one's for me this first one's for me i have okay. to admit um so i know you guys are releasing proven uh soon i think on amazon that's that's a uh, is that the documentary for the 2020 games or is that a no. separate project okay separate project so you asked me before the podcast what yeah. my involvement was with Fittest in Dubai. Yeah. When we set out to make the 2019 documentary, we actually initially set out to make, and we released a trailer for it because mm. we were just trying to generate buzz and excitement, um, and it worked. Uh, we created a docu-series called Proven, which follows the sanctionals and that weird window for CrossFit's history oh, of 2019. Okay. So when we went out to Dubai, we part of my... Uh, agreement with that company that was producing the 2018 fittest in Dubai film was I get to keep my footage to use in whatever way I want for a docu-series that we were working on leading up to the CrossFit games. When we got closer to the CrossFit games, it just made way more sense for us to make a documentary. And so we, we, we said, okay, let's do that. But we had all this footage from Dubai, all this footage from Wadapalooza and all this footage from strength and depth 
and then one or two other sanctionals that we went to. And we felt like these three had a really cool, compelling story across the three of them. Okay. And so we created a three-part documentary series that covers each one of those sanctionals. Oh, um, that is going to be released onto our own personal Patreon page. Okay. And potentially on Amazon, we're figuring out what that looks like, but okay. that, that's where we intend for it to go. Okay. Um, then uh, there's a 2020 movie that I'm simultaneously producing um, that is coming out sometime later this spring, probably closer to like May, April or May. Okay. And that's, that's the documentary for, for the games, right? The, the one that's for the out 2020 later. games. So okay. that's not the proven is proven. not okay. proven is like a, is like the younger sister to the fittest is really like, like <laughs> okay. they're, they're part of the same family. They have the same look and like uh, okay. advertising marketing side. Got it. Look. Um, prove the, the new fittest film, the 2020 documentary film yeah. will be a very different feel. Okay, sweet. Do we have an idea of when proven is coming out or releasing? Um, Roughly. I would say, but early February, oh, like with soon, really soon. Heck yeah. Awesome. Okay. So question number two, from yeah. all these films that you've participated in, which is your favorite? So it's always the one I'm working on. Like, <laughs> uh, well, that's not true. So for a long time, Froning was my favorite because it was like, that was my baby. Yeah. I, I had control over every aspect of that film. Most of the aspects of that film. Um, I loved uh the process of it and it like i took my time to make it as good as i possibly could and the finished product i think really shows and then that launched crossfit and my career into a different stratosphere that i was really excited about um the next really one that i every movie i pour my heart and soul into um and i am able to do different really creative and fun things um and each has a special place in their heart in my heart yeah but the next one that really is like the newest one would be the fittest which is that put me in a different career as well because it was the first time that I did it outside of CrossFit on my okay. own with my own personal company. And then using that also to launch the Buttery Bros has just been a life-changing and fun, awesome couple months, couple years. And that project was uh, was something that wasn't going to happen. Weren't you guys signing like a contract a couple of days before with, uh, with O'Keefe or something? I think I saw a video somewhere. I don't know if I'm going crazy. Uh, the fittest? Yeah, for the fittest. What, like his... I, so we, here's here's yeah. that's sort of, sort of misleading. So okay. we we had a, we had an agreement with CrossFit that we can make a 2019 uh, documentary. Okay. okay. We we uh, really to make some people in production more comfortable that this was going to be successful. We signed an agreement with a distribution company bef- three days before the CrossFit oh, Games. Okay, got it. So got it. so okay. basically we. All we're doing there is is we're agreeing for someone to take control over the movie when we finish it to sell it and distribute it for us on behalf of okay. us. Okay. Okay. Um, that wasn't necessary. We did not have that for Froning until after we had already released Froning. So we actually oh. made Froning, put it up ourselves, and okay. then the distribution company came to us and said, "Hey, we want to help you with her, your film." Got it. And so it we could have still made the movie without that. It just made some people in the production more comfortable okay. uh, spending our own money to make it but okay. i would have still made that movie without any help and i we would have been fine making it without their help until when it came time to distribute it they were extremely helpful in the distribution process sweet okay so that that's actually really important to clarify um next question which of the films was uh the hardest to produce and why oh um uh, every film has their challenge the fittest was hands down the hardest just really? because we're on our own we're scrapping Okay. We 
yeah, like, so as I just said, we, we signed the contract until we had that contract, we didn't feel comfortable hiring people. And so oh, that's where it became difficult was, yeah. was we're signing the contract at the CrossFit games. And we came to a verbal agreement three or four days before that. So a week before the CrossFit games. And so we hadn't hired a staff to be there. So then <laughs> at that point, we're like, how are we going to film it? We have the, we have all the please in place. Like, what do we do now? And so we knew that Marzen could be on the floor with the red camera. Uh, I could be behind the scenes shooting these other things and shooting with the long lens during events. We needed more people. And so um, I had sort of had feelers out there with a few producers that were already going to be there doing work for other people Okay. that I could pay extra to come do extra work for us. And so it was a really cool commu- uh, community moment because I put up there like, Hey, if you're at the CrossFit games, you have a media pass and you want to help the buttery brothers, please let me know. And my inbox blew up because there was basically CrossFit gave an, a media pass to anybody that year. And so there was like 200 cameramen that had no idea why they were shooting anything, but wanted their footage to be used in some way. And so I had people throughout the weekend, like filming something coming up to me like, Hey dude, I just filmed this epic moment between Matt and Sienna. Do you want it? And I was like, slide in, slide in my DMs next week when I figured out what the hell I'm doing with my life. And, and I'll take a look at it with you shot. And that'd be great. And if we use it, we'll give you credit. Yeah. And they're like, awesome. So it, it was really cool, but uh, that was, that was tough. It was, because we had no infrastructure for yeah. for uh, shooting it. And then post-production, like we edited all the other movies with massive laptops or massive Mac Pro computers and yeah. monitors and, and a huge sand from CrossFit. And now this that last year, we had to like build a makeshift sand and, and ship that around and make sure like the, all the technical aspects were, yeah. we were, we were learning that and then learning basically a, a really rough business class. Okay. on how to operate a business throughout the making of that. So that was hands down the hardest. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's a, that, that, that sounds like just, I don't know, like for sure. I, I think that would make the fittest one of my favorite films just because of what like everything, you know, that goes on behind it. Um, so I, I, I actually like, thank you for that because like we, we don't have, we have no idea how much goes into making these films. And I mean, in situations like that, I can, I can only imagine. Yeah, we had a lot of a lot of plates spinning, and luckily nothing came crashing down too bad. <laughs> um, so this past year has been crazy as it is, right? Um, depending of where you are in the world, I think like ninety five percent of the world's in lockdown. But um, this uh, this past season, besides like there being uh, no one present at the games, like how how different were they? Besides like the no no people being there. Yeah. Well, no crowd was a huge factor, um, just for the energy on the field. Um, but like, that's really only noticeable. You only really notice that during like the total when, Mm. when it's so quiet while these guys are doing their lifts when generally it's extremely loud and you can hear like literally I'm editing the documentary right now and there's great clips of athletes saying like, yeah, I'm in the middle of my lift and I can hear the announcer talking crap on my form um, <laughs> through the speakers, you know, like, like can't, I can't imagine trying to PR my back squat while Bill, Bill Grumler's over there going like, yeah, man, I think he really has got to lift that chest. It's going to the bottom, <laughs> you know, like, so that was a huge factor. Um, but the only other really place that you noticed it is when athletes crossed the finish line, it yeah. was very like, Oh, that was so cool. And then they finished and they're like, yay. <laughs> no like energy to build off with the crowd so that yeah. was that's definitely a huge miss for the 2020 games um and then the other massive factor was that there was only five and it was very yeah. clearly obvious after two events how 
bad Matt and Tia were going to demolish yeah. the rest of the field. Like they were just completely untouchable with that field of athletes. Were uh, were you there when uh, uh, Castro turned uh, Matt around? He was like, "You're not done." You were there, right? Yeah, uh, that's my <laughs> camera that's filming Matt flip off, Dave. Dude, how wild was that? Honestly, it was wild for sure. <laughs> yeah, I found out the night before. Uh, I kind of wish I hadn't known, but it uh-huh. it was a uh, yeah, it was definitely fun to be there and be present for that specific moment. Yeah, yeah, like um. I remember watching it live and like, I, I kind of tuned out for a little bit cause it was, it, it's a, like a longer event. It's a run. So I was like, yeah, I'll like, just like tune out. And then I think I, I must've flipped it back on like 20 seconds before they turned him around. I was like, Oh, cool. Matt's going to win the run again. Like he's going to win like the 27th consecutive event of, of the weekend. And then like, I see Dave turn him around. I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, that's so messed up. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it- it went exactly how I hoped it wouldn't, which is <laughs> my friend Matt pushing my friend Justin, screaming down the final hill for a sprint. So they've been sprinting for about a half mile, yeah. only to find out that they have to turn around and go back. And the only two people that are going to be affected by that are those two people. The rest of the field sees them coming up the, the hill and knows like, oh, we're not done. They have to keep going. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, it was, it was unfortunate. <laughs> Okay, and then the last question, I think this is the most important one. Did you ever get tired of beating Mars? <laughs> oh, man. Well, first of all, it's not all the time, but yes, it's always phenomenal to have a victory. I'll take a one-game win streak any day. Um, but no, I do not beat Mars in every <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember he was pretty messed up uh, when you guys trained with, uh, with Noah uh, right before the games. I think you guys did like some deadlift GHD workout and his abs were messed up for days. His abs were messed up for like a couple of weeks. Like even, <laughs> so that was like three weeks before the CrossFit games or two weeks. That was an insane and stupid trip, but we pulled it off. Uh, <laughs> yeah. His abs were messed up for a couple of weeks from that. <laughs> I want to say about a month and a half. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember him like mentioning that like, um, videos before because you guys did that trip where uh, I think you went to go see Matt and uh, it, well, all the, all the athletes essentially. And uh, he kept mentioning how his abs were, were messed up and he couldn't, he couldn't do anything, but I mean, yep. it, is, it, it is, it is what it is. Um, I don't have any more questions for you, but uh, actually on this piece of paper that I have for my notes, but I do want to ask you, um, is there any advice you, you'd, you'd like to give to like aspiring uh, students or younger people or anybody, individuals like you who want to get involved in filming uh, content for sports or for the, for the fitness industry, um, just some advice that you wish you would have had when you were younger? Um, I mean, these are all things that I kind of did. So, so it's not advice to my younger self, but things that I would tell younger people who want to do what I've been doing. Yeah. I've gotten really lucky. And I think the number one reason why these movies have been successful is, uh, there's a bunch of factors there, but relationships are key. Like even I've had a crazy career um, in relationship with CrossFit HQ, but I've always been political about it and understood the relationships of with the people with whom I work there. And, and it's not worth it to me to burn any bridges. And that's paid off really well in my career. And, yeah. and I consider myself really close friends with specifically like the guy who was there to fire me when I worked at CrossFit I'm friends with, and I would call him today to, to ask a favor of him. And he'd call me today to ask a favor of him. Um, and so something that could have been, I could have been really bitter about and frustrated and um, might've had a lot of sympathy support. Um, I 
turn the other cheek and, and try to take a higher road. And it's paid off in my career and my life. Um, if, and the, on, on that, when I was working for CrossFit, I had a good enough relationship with the people running the CrossFit games that I said, Hey, give me access to the CrossFit games floor with a camera. It's going to look so freaking cool. And so in 2016, it was just me operating the Movi. It's a specific camera that you'll see Marston operating a lot yeah. now. And I operated that camera on the floor for the entire 2016 movie. And if you look at the difference from the 2015 to 2016 movie, there's a massive difference in the quality yeah. of the film and the storytelling because of how into the race you feel yeah. with that camera. And I was able to give, be given that access because of the, the trust that I had been built there. Um, the other thing I would tell people that are aspiring to do this is to just do it. People ask me all the time, what's the camera? What do I need? What, what equipment do I need? And I'm like, dude, people are making ex- incredibly successful content just with their iPhone and being creative and, and working their butt off. And so if you're doing that and you have something to say and you have um, a, a keen eye, you'll learn. Like I learned everything I know about filmmaking by watching movies and making movies. Yeah. And, and so it wasn't by going to school. It wasn't by um, any specific con- uh, contact I had. It was just because I, I worked my butt off and, and um, just happened to be in the right place at the right time a few times in my career. Sweet. Um, is that camera the one that Mars outsprinted Matt with? Because I know there, there's, a, there's an instance, right, where he like... He... So there, there is. He, he, that's the type of camera. So in 2016, okay. but, but they're different. So the okay. 2016 movie... Um, I had what's called a red cinema camera on a Movi, okay. which was a, it was a Movi M10, I think. And then that year we had a smaller rig specifically for Marsden. Yeah. That was a 20, uh, it was called a Movi M5 and then a Sony camera, which is much more compact. Okay. So that's what he's running around chasing, uh, Matt with in 2016. Yeah. And in that same year that's the year i'm running around with the actual big red cinema camera that year so he's he he wasn't on my camera but he had a very he had a setup that was similar but smaller more more mobile and but not as cinematic okay yeah i would never i would never try and sprint mars after that after that footage i'm like dude this guy's got this guy's got some he's got some some, some top end speed (laughs) dude hell yeah (laughs) um um, I, th- I think we're pretty much done here. Oh yeah. One more question. When is, are you guys dropping footage with, with Matt in Aruba or is there no buttery bros episode dropping from that? Uh, I'm, I'm actually quite literally, if I move my zoom screen, I'm looking at the edit over here. So, oh, so as soon as I get off this call Sweet. and edit it, maybe over the weekend it'll drop. All right, then I'm going to just jump off this call because I want to see that content. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule. I know, I know you're really busy with, with like all these projects you got going on. So I, I really want, I really appreciate you uh, jumping on and just, you know, uh, sharing some of your experiences and a lot and all that knowledge you have with me and with all the listeners. So I, I want to thank you. Thank you so much for, for participating in my podcast. Yeah, of course. Thank you. So, um, so guys, uh, without, I'm, I was blank out towards in the beginning, towards then this concludes the podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you guys for listening. Um, and then, uh, I'll, I'll talk to you guys soon. Let me, just, okay. let me stop this really quick. Stop recording.